Can we stand for our opening prayer, please? Our Lord and our God, how good you are to us. And how your love surrounds us, and we just thank you so much for that. We ask you to be with us today through this time of worship. We offer this time to you, Lord. We ask that you might be a part of all of we, what we do and what we say today. May it, be, may it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And may our praises fill this place and be offered to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join me in the prayer for guidance, please? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. The scripture today is found on page 115 in your pew Bible, John 20, verses 24 through 29. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, I ask at this time that your word may be heard, that what you once said will be what comes forth. I ask your blessings upon us as we share together around this powerful story of Thomas. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I've just gone to work for the uh, Harvest of Hope program sponsored by the Society of St. Andrew. It was a camp program for youth, and we were teaching the youth about hunger and responsibility in a hungry world. It involved gleaning. I don't know if any, have you, any, you been out gleaning before? A few of you have been, good deal. So you know what it is to go into the field after harvest and, and pick up what's left over. It's found that a lot of times in fields, up to eight, 40% of what is grown is left in the fields. too small or it's too big or discolored or whatever. A lot of it's left. And so the, 
in this program, the, the youth would go through and pick up that which, which was left, and we'd take it to food banks and soup kitchens and so on. Well, my very first Harvest of Hope event was near Austin, Texas. And as luck, fate would have it, that week, that year had been a very wet spring and very cool spring, unusual for that part of Texas. And we were going down, and we were going to be gleaning potatoes. And one, one person, one farmer, knew we were coming ahead of time, so he had actually even planted a small field of potatoes just for us. Uh, we weren't going to be gleaning these. We were just going to be gathering them. We'd be able to get lots of potatoes to the, take to the soup kitchens and food banks in the area. But there were two problems. Because of the wet, cool spring and summer we had, the potatoes didn't grow very big. They were just going to be little potatoes we would gather. But, you know, that would be, that would be fine for food banks and soup kitchens. They could still use them, good, good source of food. The second problem was it had been so rainy and so wet. In fact, about two days before, a torrential rain had come. And the farmer was not able to go in because usually they would take a, a, a plow blade and, and go through the rows, and that would turn the potatoes up. So you just all you'd have to do is gather them off the top of the ground. But because of the mud, they hadn't been able to do that. We were going to have to dig down through the mud to get to the potatoes. But we, we thought, well, we can, we can do that. We, can, <laughs> we had gloves. We had boots on. We could get out in those muddy fields and do what needed to be done. But... There was a third problem we did not yet know about, but we found out very soon. So we were out in the field. We were kind of digging through the mud and finding these really small potatoes in there. But it wasn't very long before suddenly I had a feeling of fire around my wrist and around my, my, my ankles. And everybody seemed to be struggling at the same time. We felt like we were on fire. You, you who know about southern Texas probably know what we had, didn't, don't you? Fire ants. With, with that torrential rain, it had, it had made their ant, ant hills, which are, you can very well tell the, the fire ant hills. But they weren't there when we went down to the field. And digging down through the mud like we were, we found them very Quickly, they are well named. <laughs> so we got out of that that field in record amount of time. And I I don't know maybe some of you really like ants. I'm not particularly a fan fan of ants, but <laughs> ants can be troublesome creatures. As a well known preacher, Frederick Beekner, who makes a humorous but a good comparison. He says, in our religious life, doubt is like having ants in your pants. It's highly uncomfortable. For some of you Bible scholars, you may be familiar with one of the disciples of Jesus, whose name is synonymous with doubt. We And Pat read about him today. So it's doubting, doubting Thomas, right? I know you've heard of Doubting Thomas before. 
See, Thomas hadn't been there the night that, that the other disciples were gathered in the upper room. And Jesus had appeared to them on the night of the resurrection. And he was there among them. And they shared this wonderful news with Thomas. But to Thomas, their story wasn't logical. He must have been this person who who had to just see to believe. To Thomas, Jesus was dead. He'd been laid in the tomb of Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea, and many of them had seen the stone rolled in front of that tomb. Jesus was dead. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there the night that they saw Jesus. William Barclay, a, a British theologian, believes that he had just gone off. He wanted to grieve on his own because this one he thought was the Messiah had turned out not to be. So this pragmatist, this doubter, wouldn't be fooled by wishes and dreams. He believed his friends were probably delusional, wanting to believe that Jesus was alive so so much that they even thought they saw him. But Thomas wasn't going to be fooled. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. For Thomas, his doubt was uncomfortable indeed. Maybe even a crisis of faith. He wanted to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but this one he had counted on had been killed and laid in a tomb. But now Thomas and the other disciples are back in the upper room, and the story continues. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them. And said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. And put out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. His doubt now completely gone. But doubts affect us all, don't they? Some of the ones in the area of faith are especially troublesome to us. They can even cause a crisis of faith. Questions like, is there really life after death? Am I saved? Is the Bible truly God's word? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Can I trust God? Does God answer prayer? 
questions go on in my our minds. Doubts at some level affect us all. Doubts can be the ants in the pants of believers in Christ. They can make us very uncomfortable. But remember the words of Jesus, his last words to Thomas were these. Have you believed because you have seen me? And then Jesus is talking to Thomas. But I think he would actually turn and look at us when he makes the following statement. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. It's very doubtful in this lifetime that we will get to see the living Jesus unless he comes and takes us home. Doubt is common in all aspects of life, not just in religion. We have doubts in the area of science, politics, relationships. Doubts are all around us. But our doubts of faith have eternal consequences, don't they? I think Thomas gives us a good roadmap of how we can deal with doubt. First of all, he didn't just accept what the disciples said at face value. He had to see for himself. He had to know for sure that Jesus was raised from the dead. He didn't want to pretend. He didn't want to just take their word for it. So he confronted his doubts head on. And that's what we have to do as well. When we have doubts, we're not supposed to just ignore them or try to push them down or try to push them aside. We do have to confront them. Meet them head on. And even express them to God. So the very first thing we see in in Thomas is confronting our doubts. Second thing is He was going to the place where his friends had seen Jesus. He wanted to see for himself. We also ought to make sure we go to the place where our doubts can be well examined. And I think for most of you, that place is right here. Doubt shouldn't make us pull away from the church or the Bible, but should make us better students as we learn, study, and grow and try and find out exactly what we need to know. And I think this place is that place where we can go. For Thomas, it was the room, the upper room for us. It's this building, this place. So Thomas confronted his doubts. He came to the right place to examine them. And finally, he surrounded himself with the right people to help him on his quest. It's funny. Well, not funny, more providential, I guess you'd say. That when you express doubt to God, 
before God, more often than not, it seems like just the right person crosses your path and has just the right conversation with you. Or you hear just the right sermon. Or you come in contact with just the right book. Somehow you receive the right information that just seems to, to touch that area of doubt that you had. More often than not, it'll be through your Christian friends with whom you've surrounded yourself that doubts are effectively dealt with. See, Jesus doesn't take your doubts lightly. He takes them seriously because he knows how troublesome they can be to you, how uncomfortable they can make you. Thomas' doubts were quickly put to rest as he sees the risen Lord face to face. I hope and I pray that your doubts will be answered just as quickly. But ultimately, look at the words of Jesus, what he said to Thomas. Do not doubt, but believe. See, even in all of our doubts, we can still hold on to Jesus. We can still believe that he is there for us and with us. Jesus did meet Thomas's doubt. He appeared to Thomas. But as he indicated to us, we may not see the risen Lord in our lifetime. But we will see him. And I want you to remember more than anything that Jesus loves you and cares for you. He's not angered by your doubts. He's not afraid of your doubts. But he wants them moved out of the way so that nothing stands in the way of your relationship with him. That's what he wants more than anything else is that relationship. I'm going to ask you to do something now, if you would. If you put your hands in front of you like this, and you can lay them in your lap or just put them in front of you. I want you to, first of all, see your relationship with Jesus laying in, in your hands there. But I also want you to take out your doubts. Maybe you've kept them hidden. Maybe you even kind of hide them from yourself. But take them out and see them there in your hands as well. And I'm going to ask us to pray. Lord Jesus, sometimes it's hard for us to get past these doubts. Sometimes they act, act as a roadblock to us, Lord. For we want to believe you. We want to believe you wholly. And trust in you wholly. But sometimes these doubts just are there in our way. 
So, Lord, we ask you to take these doubts and put them to the side and help us know how we might move past them to trust fully and wholly in you. We ask you to help us deal with these doubts, but even with them there, to know that our relationship with you is more important than anything else in this world. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being our living Lord. And we ask that you help us deal with these doubts so that we may hold you tightly to our life today and forever. Amen. And now may God's blessings be upon you. May the grace and peace of Jesus Christ be within you. And may he help you today and every day overcome those doubts so that you might say with Thomas, my Lord and my